Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's July 21st, 356 BC. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Most of us know a few idiomatic phrases with ancient Greek origins, such as an Achilles heel or a Trojan horse or a Pyrrhic victory. But one such phrase, herostratic fame, is a bit more obscure and the story behind it is even more arcane. And it was today in history that the phrase was born when the star of the show, Herostratus, who was seemingly determined simply to immortalise his name, set fire to the Temple of Artemis, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. And given we're still talking about him more than 2,000 years later, you'd have to say he was pretty successful. And regardless of who he was, and he was someone pretty insignificant, he was an outsider, he may have even been a slave, but regardless of who it was, their name would have gone down in history because this temple of Artemis that he burnt down Mm. was a huge deal. Reportedly built by King Croesus, who was extraordinarily legendarily rich, the temple had 127 columns, 36 of them carved, with reliefs. It was made largely of marble. It took 120 years to complete. So this was something that brought great pride to everyone who lived around it. It was the reason you went Mm. to Ephesus to see this thing. So, I mean, burning it down for no reason at all, a completely mindless, meaningless act of arson, is always going to make your name. Yeah, Herodotus had listed it as one of his seven wonders of the world, which honestly I thought was a relatively modern grouping. I guess if you'd asked me to guess when they started doing seven wonders of the world, I'd have said maybe the 1700s or something. But this was something that was happening in the ancient world. Ancient Greeks were travelling, visiting other areas of Europe, visiting other city-states. Ephesus was a Greek city-state, but it's in modern-day Turkey. And they were sightseeing on their way. So the seven wonders of the world in that time weren't supposed to be, oh, look what great things ancient cultures achieved. It was literally a sightseeing list. You know, if you're in the Ephesus area. If you're a merchant and your camel train is passing by, Mm. make sure you stop (laughs) off and see this. Well, instead of wonders, the ancient Greek word was theomata, which means sights, things to be seen. So it really was in the tradition of those kind of 1001 films to see before you die type books. (laughs) Yeah. And this was meant to be the greatest of them. So the Greek poet Antipater of Sidon, his list, which is regarded as the earliest of the seven wonders in existence, uh, started with this. Yeah, he was the OG. And he said, I have set eyes on the walls of lofty Babylon on which is a road for chariots and the statue of Zeus uh, (laughs) and the statue of Zeus by the Alpheus and the Hanging Gardens and the Colossus of the Sun and the huge labour of the High Pyramids and the vast tombs of Mausolus. But when I saw... He must have got a lot of annual leave. (laughs) (laughs) He was a poet. He was unemployed. (laughs) But, But he said, when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliancy. And I said, lo, apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on aught so grand. And spectacular to see for the time, larger than a football field. In the centre of this temple of Artemis stood the huntress made from blackened wood. Pilgrims used to come and bring her jewellery, 
refugees came to seek her sanctuary. Yeah, there was actually a joke of sorts about this coming together of her role as the goddess of childbirth as well as being goddess of the hunt. The Greek writer <laughs> Plutarch, he <laughs> okay. said in his biography of Alexander the Great, because uh, the, the temple was actually destroyed on the exact same day that Alexander the Great was born. And what Plutarch said was, it was this coincidence which inspired Hegesias of Magnesia to utter a joke which was flat enough to have put the fire out, already a bit funny. He said, it's no wonder the temple of Artemis was destroyed since the goddess was busy attending to the birth of Alexander. Cue laughter. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, many ancient sources claim that this arson occurred on the night Alexander the Great was born. But coincidentally, Mm. Alexander's father, Philip, would later be assassinated by a bodyguard who some ancient sources claim was motivated by a thirst for fame. Apparently, he'd been asking what the easiest way to make a name for yourself was. And someone had said by the killing of a great man. So he Mm. killed his employer, you know, Philip of Macedon. So there is that link there. It's just, I feel like we talk so much now about people doing things for clout and this is the ancient equivalent you know mm. there are several accounts that say in fairness say that he was tortured on the rack which i'm like mm, i'd probably say anything too for instance in his history of the world sir walter raleigh describes herostratus as a wretch who had no other design than to have his name remembered for so infamous action yeah but that was not for want of uh, an attempt to rid his name from the historical record Yeah, that's the funny thing, that like the way that in sporting matches when a streaker runs onto the pitch and all the cameras now face away from the pitch so that you can't see the person (laughs) because they just want to be famous for (laughs) running around in the nude, what the FSCN authorities did was that they not only decided to execute Herostratus, but they also attempted to condemn his whole legacy to obscurity by forbidding mention of his name under the penalty of death. The problem is that that only really applied in Ephesus and the ancient historian Theopompus, who was not Ephesian, but rather Chian, uh, mentions his name in one of his history and then it later appears in the work of Strabo. So there's all sorts of mentions that revived his name after the effect. You know, they could have done it. They almost managed it. But then it was brought back to life many years after his death. Well, I think that's partly because of the seven wonders of the ancient world, though, isn't it? That natural question yeah. a couple hundred years later is, eh, what happened to that temple then? I'd like to go and see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they built a rod for their own backs by publicising <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it just... You know, so the natural it, question. Fell yeah. down, you guys, yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Yeah. Well, in modern scholarship, Herostratus has attracted defenders. Um, one main <laughs> argument of the Save the Ephesus One campaign is that even at night, ancient Greek temples were really busy. They were bustling with priests, servants, guards. It's hard to imagine an arsonist getting into the complex and apparently into the wooden roof beams. That's where oh, okay. the fire started. If you imagine, you know, there would have been pilgrims there, there would be armed guards. It would be quite difficult to climb up into the roof and start a fire. There's even a theory that this was an ancient version of insurance fraud. Basically, the temple site was on marshy ground there had already been a previous temple on this site which had been destroyed in a flood and that because the site was on marshy ground the foundation was sinking over time but because the site was considered sacred suggesting that the temple be demolished and rebuilt on more solid ground would be controversial whereas you know a convenient accidental fire 
Well, actually, that business of its foundations being on marshy ground was part of what had been praised, at least by Pliny the Elder, who complimented the engineer and sculptor Theodorus of Samos for preparing, basically, foundations that would mitigate the effects of earthquakes. And he, Pliny also noted that there'd been alternate layers of sheepskin and packed charcoal put beneath this enormous structure, anticipating that it was massive, you know, that it was going to be bearing this enormous amount of weight. I mean, to put it into context, context. It's like double the dimensions of, say, the Parthenon. It's a huge building, or it was. And so the whole business of getting its underpinnings right was part of the marvel of the construction itself. But regardless of the true origins of this fire, herostratic fame has become a phrase for fame sought at any cost. If you think about someone like Mark Chapman, you know, the, the John Lennon shooter, or John Hinckley Jr. Or Varily Salonis, who we talked about mm. uh, as the woman who shot Andy Warhol in our episode right, about exactly, that. That was yeah. a classic thing, isn't it? It was like she just wanted her name to go down for something. And it's still an active debate now, isn't it? Should we record the names of people who mm. just destroy things? School mm. shooters, for example... You know, there's this whole thing of, like, it imitates copycats, right? So we shouldn't even report on what the names of these... But this is still a live, current debate. <laughs> shouldn't even report on the names of the people who, who perpetuate these atrocities. But then, it just seems crazy, doesn't it, that for the historical record, you wouldn't have the name and biographical mm. detail of that person. It's sort of needed. It's human nature to know who was this person, to want to know who was this person and why did they do it. And here we are thousands of years later asking those same questions about this guy. Well, I mean, you know, his name has stood the test of time, but it wasn't the end of the Temple of Artemis because about 30 years later, a third and final temple was erected on the site. This one had better luck than its predecessors. It lasted 600 years, even gets a name check in the Bible. Did it make it into a list? <laughs> um, It made it onto multiple wonders lists. And good, I have good. to say, I'm a little bit concerned about the quality control of these wonders lists because if you can just keep putting the Temple of Artemis, no matter which one it is, they're all good. Any other <laughs> guys, we've got a slot for it on the list, so we'll just put that on there. Have they built a Temple of Artemis in Dubai yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time, I presume. And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.